Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. We, we want to talk to you today or this morning <clears throat> about the promises of God in our life. And we, we just wrote down seven keys to living the promise. The Bible says something very unique in 2 Peter, the third chapter, verses 8 and 9. It says, but beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's not slack in his promises. And we're living in a day and age that everything is, you know, is instantaneous. And, and, and this is the way that we, we enter in our lifestyles and things of that nature. We're too busy going through drive-throughs. We're too busy using our iPhones, our iPads, our computers. And, and I'm always amazed that, that no computer is ever fast enough for the, for the, the computer geeks. None of them's ever fast enough. There's never enough for them, you know, to move quick enough. And, and it's just amazing to me how we, we've transmitted that into relationships. And it seems like relationships in life is based upon that, 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 that culture of the, of, of the world system, the vulture chaser of the world system that is trying to get you to move at such a pace that you don't even realize where you are, what you're doing, or what's going on. And you lose sight. You know, I, things that kept going over in my heart and over my mind this past week as I was thinking about this message. And yesterday morning in particular, I was going to really preach another message. But this one's been just coming back up in my spirit. And I preached this, by the way, back in 2019. But I made a few adjustments since then. And so we've been to look at it and begin to get the mind of the Lord. But, but I think about what Dr. Orr Roberts told me on the plane. We put it in our book, Capturing the Mind of God. In that last chapter, we're not in the last chapter, in the first chapter, when we were talking about being with oral on the plane. And I asked him the question, and I said, where do you feel like the body of Christ is really missing what God is doing for them? Where, where, where are we missing it? And he looked at me without even, without even taking a, you know, didn't have to think about it. He's looked at me, he said, they leave their harvest in the field. I thought that was very unique. They leave their harvest in the field. Now, you can look at that from a lot of different perspectives. But we have a tendency to pray and walk away from what we prayed about. We have a tendency to sow a seed, and if we don't have a harvest tomorrow, you know, the old, the old uh, you know, Popeye thing would wimpy, you know, I'll gladly pay for a hamburger tomorrow if you give me one today. It, with no intention of paying anything. We'd gladly serve you tomorrow, God, if you'll give me my miracle today. And, and we've, we've not moved to the understanding that when you follow diverse temptations, testings, and trials, that we count it all joy, knowing this, the trying of our faith worketh patience. Everybody say patience. patience. The word patience is also termed endurance. But it says if you let it run its course, you will be entire, wanting nothing. Entire, wanting nothing. And so as I begin to look at these things and realize that, you know, we as, as Christians many times, you know, we, we are moved in moments like the world system is. And we have the very harvest that God has for us taken away or stolen away from us. Because it takes seasons. The Bible works in, in seasons. It, it, God never works, you know, when he, call, when he tells you to do something. You know, there are miracles of mercy that happen in a moment. 
Thank God for those. But, the, but the, we as believers do not live by the miracles of mercy. It says the just live by faith. Faith is a journey. Faith is a, without, with it, it says faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, we work towards that. It says while we're looking at the circumstance, do not look at it, but look, look at that which is not seen. In other words, what the Word of God says is the answer. Because what you see is temporal, that the word of God is eternal. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word, it remains. God watches over his word to perform it. And I think many times, and myself included, so I'm not throwing everybody, I mean, I've had to evaluate my life. Many times I've been a little quick to try and do something different because things didn't happen quick enough for me. Realizing that God has a plan and God's plan is seasonal and, and God's seasonal plan is always in the right time. Amen. Amen. You know, we, we've been talking about the vulture chasers when, when we saw that uh, Abram made co- or God made covenant with Abram after he gave him the offering. You remember that over in, G- in Genesis 15. And it says that God walked amongst the, the offering that was there. And as he walked amongst it, all that, he then had a, a, a if you will, Abram fall into a trance, into a sleep. Or, and, and it says he began to speak to him. And he said, you're going to see your ancestors, your children's children, go into bondage for 400 years. Wow. A long time. But he says, at the end, everybody say, at the end. He says, I'm going to bring them out with great possessions and give them a land that I promised them because he's a God of promise. See, God never forgets his promises, and we, we need to understand that. Now, someone said to me once, they said, well, you know, 400 years, I want, you know, we won't even be around. I understand that. But in the New Covenant and the New Testament with, with Jesus, I find this, that the way that you alter a timetable that would otherwise take a lot, a lot of time, is to sow a seed. Because watch this now. The moment you sow a seed, you create a timetable. Yeah. 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 Oh, hang on. Stay with me, guys. See, before, when he gave the offering, God told him this is what's going to take place. 400 years. But under the new covenant, Jesus, <laughs> everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is making intercession for us now. We are no longer under the old covenant. Now watch this now. We're not under the old covenant having to give sacrifices. Jesus once and for all became the sacrifice that we can come boldly to the throne of grace so we are not held captive by the timetable of the old covenant. We are now operating in the timetable of the new covenant. And God said he would do exceedingly abundantly what we ask or think according to the power that works in us, which now he's identified it to us as an individual, which means before you die, your promise is coming to pass. Oh, come on, stay with me. See, the difference is in the Old Testament, they didn't have Jesus at the right hand making intercession. They weren't washed by the blood of Christ. They, they were called the, the, the children of Israel, were, were the children of God. But we're not just the children of God. We're the sons and daughters of God. As sons and daughters of God, we don't live by the same timetable of the Old Covenant. We have a new covenant. Therefore, under the new covenant, with the seed we sow, we establish new seasons. Oh, Lord, help me here. 
When we talk about promise, this isn't a promise to my great-grandchildren down the road. They're going to receive the benefits of the promise that I am going to have manifested in my life today. Come on, you're going to get this in a minute. Look at what he says. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. We have them. I said we have them. Come on, I said we have them. So let's go on our journey a little bit today about the promise of God and, and, and the seven keys to living in the promise of God. Galatians chapter 3, verse 29 we pull that up on the screen. Talks about it. If you're in Christ, then you're Abraham's seed, heir according to the promise. Now, important. The promise to Abraham, listen to me, the promise to Abraham that he was going to have children, that the nations were going to be blessed. The promise to the children, to Abraham about the children of Israel, they had to wait 400 years to get their promise. But Abraham didn't have to wait 400 years to get his promise because God said, I'm going to give your promise to you is of a child by which all nations will be blessed. And if you're in Christ, then you're heirs according to Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Say, I'm an heir according to the promise as a child of God. Now, that's real important. Go over to the book of Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. If you're taking notes, next to that verse, write down obedience. There is no promise that you will find that will be relative to your life in this day that doesn't require obedience. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's something we struggle with, isn't it? That term obedience. Because we live in a world that does not want to walk in obedience. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. Even if they're right, we don't care. We don't, we don't want to hear it. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, even, even, even if you are right, they don't want to hear it. It's fascinating to me. Verse 2, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. You shall be of benefit to others. I will give benefits to you and make your name great, and then you will take those same benefits and you will benefit others. Glory to God. I want to tell you something, if God does something for you today, you should immediately be looking to where you can take what God did for you and use it as a testimony or as a blessing or how you can, you can benefit someone else with what God just did for you that day. And don't let a moment pass when God does something for you that you don't reach out to someone else. Glory to God. See, I'm blessed to be a blessing. I get benefits so I can be, a ben I can be one that gives benefits. I'm not, it's important to understand that. Next verse. I bless those who bless you. I curse him who curses you, and in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He says, now you need to understand, if you really trust me, I'll take care of your enemies. That's difficult in our day and age, because we, we like to fight. I'm sorry, any, any male that I ever grew up with, we all like just a good Get in my face, let's have at it. 
And if it wasn't a physical fight with somebody, we like the challenge of life. We like challenges. That, that's just in our DNA. Some say, well, I don't want any challenges. Then you have no future. See, that's what we're doing in our society today. We're trying to let people know you don't have to work. We'll give you money. Come on, stay with me. All you got to do is just, just do what we tell you to do, and we'll feed you, and we'll clothe you, and we'll, we'll house you, and we'll, we'll do all of that. Because there's enough people out there that are accepting t- the challenges. They'll help pay for yours. Oh, get quiet on me all of a sudden. I'm not getting political. I'm just being spiritual. Last time I looked at my Bible, it said that if you don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> but I can't work. I'm physically incapable. I understand that. And the Bible says that we are to take care of you. But there's a lot of physically able people that are sitting on their rusty dusty doing nothing, wanting us still to take care of them. And it's got to stop. And our nation needs to wake up. If we're going to be one nation under God, we need to act like it. And we need to tell people it's time to get started. Now, I'm sorry. I know some people don't like that. I know some people are upset at that. But the church has got to be the church. I believe the church should be the the largest working organism in the world today. We should be willing to go to work. We should be willing to labor. We should be willing to be productive. We should be willing to rule. We should be willing to reign. We should be willing to be lead by example. Because we want the promises of God in our lives, then it's understandable. If I want this, it requires an act of obedience to the Word of God. Most of us are kind of like Abram was. God says, separate yourself from your land and from your family. So God tells me to separate myself. And so I take my nephew and say, come on and go with me. Let me say this to you. You can have a promise and have no response to that promise if you're not obedient. He had no child. And when you get over the 15th chapter, he's trying to blame God. Isn't that like most Christians? Well, it must not be God's will. What about your child, Abram? Well, I don't have any children except by my my servants, and so I guess they're going to be my heir. No, they're not, Abraham. I I need you to understand. Until you got rid of Lot, I couldn't give you your child. I wonder how many Abrams we have in this building today that need to get rid of something so God can give us our promise. I'm really evaluating myself, guys. I'm not preaching this to you. I, I, I've been going through this in my own. I, I got, you know, you have the mirror. You know, one of those deals. This is a finger pointing time for me. Not for you. I'm not pointing my fingers at you. But because I do not want to be, I'm at the stage of my life, I can't afford to allow something to separate me from the promise that God gave me or to alter the manifestation of that promise because I chose to do something opposite. You know, emotions and feelings are one thing. There's a lot of time, you know, there's a lot of things in my life that goes through my system that I know I can't do. Say, really? Oh, yeah, there's some people I'd really like to take out. 
through my life, there's been times. We're human. You have to, oh, not me. Well, bless your heart. I didn't know that you'd died and gone to heaven and come back. <laughs> you know, the Bible says Jesus was tempted in all things. So why, why are you so upset about being tempted? It's what you do with the temptation. And sometimes I'm tempted to be angry. Sometimes I'm tempted to say stuff I shouldn't say, do things I shouldn't do. It, temptation, but I don't do it because I realize it will separate me from the promise. I don't want to be separated from the promise. God is too good a God. He loves me too much and wants to bless me. I know that. So I've got to understand that. In Genesis chapter 26, verse 12, just look there for a quick moment. Isaac sowed in the land, reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Now, I think there's something we learn here. Number one, Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Now, it's important you understand, he did that because God came to him and said, as I was with your father, so I will be with you. The same blessing I gave your father is upon you. All you've got to do is what I tell you to do. But watch this now. So he sowed in that land. He didn't leave that land. He sowed in that land. And the same year, he received a hundredfold, and God blessed him. He received a hundredfold. And you notice that last term, the Lord blessed him. He moved from and now his father's blessing to his own. God help us to quit living off someone else's blessing. I appreciate the benefit that I receive from somebody being blessed who then in turn blesses me. But I want to get to the place that I don't depend. See, God didn't call me to be dependable upon the blessing on someone else. He called me to be dependable upon him who wants to bless me. And if I get to that place of obedience and do what God tells me to do, he says, and when that, when that thing begins to manifest itself, now I'm going to put the blessing on you. So now you're not looking for someone else to bless you. You now are blessed of me, which means you now have been equipped to be able to be a benefit to whoever that you come in contact with. Wherever I call you, wherever I send you, any situation you find yourself in, you know this, I've equipped you. You might be in a time of famine, but I've equipped you. You might be in an enemy's land, but I've equipped you. And so you can sow in the time of famine, and because I've now blessed you, you can have water where the enemy has no water. Oh, come on, church. So you missed that. Later on, he went out into wells that had been, his father had dug, had been filled up. It was a time of famine. There was no water to be found. He said, but my father, he dug those with his blessing. Now I'm going to redig them with my blessing. And when he redug them with his blessing, he all of a sudden water came back. I got news for you. The blessing that got you where you're at, it's wonderful, but that's not where you want to live. You don't want to live off of Bishop Woody's blessing. Thank God for it. I love my dad, and I thank God for his blessing, but thank God now I have a blessing on my life that I can dig the own well. I can bring my own water, and it's not dependent upon the past. It's about where I'm going. That doesn't negate the, what the past was to us. Thank God for it. 
But the past was a foundation. <laughs> I need the future. I need the blessing of the future. Glory to God. Number one, if you're going to have a key to the promise, you've got to know your heritage. John 1.12, as many as received Jesus, he gave them power to become the sons of God. Received Jesus, he gave them the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. I have a right. Come on, tell somebody I have a right. See, if I believe in Jesus, I have a right. Oh, Lord, help me here. I said, if I believe in Jesus, I have rights. Glory to God. I, I've a, I, I'm, I'm a child of God. Yeah, but people don't, don't seem to treat me that way. It don't matter what people treat you. God says you're his child. I say, God says he's your child. You're his child. And even when you mess up, you're still his child. If you trust him, he'll get you out of the mess. He says you might fall down, but get back up. Praise God. Know your heritage. Listen, just because I mess up today doesn't make me lose my heritage. I won't go through how many times my children messed up growing up, but they're still my children. I still want the best for them. I might have had to correct them sometime, but my correction wasn't about taking them out. It was about making them better because they're my children, yet I wanted them to walk in success. God might have to correct us sometime, but that's because we're his children. Don't be afraid of God's correction. It's not about destruction. It's about correcting you so you can be everything that he created you to be. Look over to the book of Romans here. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. For as men as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Men as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Well, you know that person, that, you, know, they, I, I, you, you should see the way they acted over there. But yet yeah, God uses them. Let me say something to you. That once you know the Spirit of God and the voice of God, even when you're in sin, you can still hear it. Oh, I just messed somebody up. You're a child of God. You know why? Because when you're in sin, the Holy Spirit's trying to speak to you about getting this act right, getting your act right. This is what you're supposed to be doing. That's the voice of God speaking to you. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, which means the Spirit of God is not going to leave you just because you messed up. The only time the Spirit of God will ever leave a believer is when they blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And blaspheming the Holy Spirit, you got to work at it and know what you're doing to do it. You got to attribute the things the Holy Spirit has done that it's not of God. You can attribute it to Satan. And even though you know it's the Holy Spirit, you still deny Him. Now you got a problem. I've had people say, I think I, I, I think I offended the Holy Spirit. No, you didn't. You don't even know how to offend Him. I've committed the unpardonable sin. By virtue of saying that, I know you haven't. The person who's committed the unpardonable sin doesn't talk about it because they don't care. Wow. You have to know your heritage. Isaac knew his heritage. 
He knew the blessing of his father that God gave him. You have to know your heritage, that we are children of the most high God. We've got to know what our elder brother did for us. And let's remember who we are in Christ Jesus. Number two, he has to know God's voice. We talked about that. Over in Samuel, we won't turn there, but 1 Samuel chapter 3, God calls Samuel. Samuel didn't know him. He goes to Eli. Eli says, I didn't call you. He goes back to bed. He hears God saying nothing. Finally, the last night, Eli said, that's God talking to you. And so Samuel had to learn God's voice. Look at somebody and say, you have to learn God's voice. That's important. John chapter 10, verse 4 and verse 27, he says, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. Now, let me give you a quick lesson for that because this morning, I know, again, I'm trying to lay some foundation stones that as we move into this season that we're in right now, we're moving into a supernatural season unlike anything this church has ever seen. But we've got to be prepared and know how the promise is going to manifest itself in our lives. Now, the way you hear God's voice is not in your head. Well, God said, no, God didn't say nothing to you. That's something you ate or some friend or some movie you watched or some stupid dream you got. That's not God. God speaks here, not here. Very seldom have I ever met anybody. I've only had God speak to me one time audibly in my whole life, and I begged him, never speak to me again. It was so powerful and, and I was on the floor before God laying prostrate on the floor weeping before God saying I hear you speak to me in my spirit I don't want to hear your voice anymore it was that scary I, you see somebody oh I want to hear God I, yeah okay till you've been there then you'd understand God speaks to your spirit now how do we know God is speaking to my spirit? Because you're at peace. What is peace? Peace is soul harmony with God. The word peace of the New Testament in the Greek means soul harmony. I'm in accord, I'm in peace, I'm in a peace with God. When your spirit starts getting eruptive over situation, you better know God's saying, stop it, get out of there, leave it alone, don't touch it. You've got to learn to be led by the Spirit of God to learn to hear his voice. And his voice speaks first to your spirit man. Your spirit man will then speak to you. You will say stuff like this. I don't know where that came from. I don't know how I came up with that. Because it's the Spirit of God. And he says, let peace umpire or rule and reign in your heart in book of Colossians. In other words, if I'm standing here, people say, what do you do when you walk around? I really do follow peace. Y'all don't understand. I'm walking around preaching this message, but I'm letting this lead me, not this. So people say, you're looking right at me. I'm not really looking at you. If, it's just I might be standing in front of you, but I'm not picked you out, but maybe the Holy Spirit has got his finger on you. But you got to learn to follow peace, not your head. Well, I am convinced. Who cares what you're convinced about? God spoke to my dad. He said, I want you to start a church. And he said, I want you to go to Margate. Dad said, Margate, nobody lives in Margate, but Catholics and Jews. True story. I'm being funny. 
Nothing, nothing derogatory about that. Just what he said. So he went to Hollywood. He went to Hollywood because Joey and all the group was down there. And there's a group of people that he'd been ministering to. And he had a group of about 40 or 50 people already in Hollywood, Florida. So he went down to Hollywood. And it won't work out. So he said, I'll tell you what, I'll go to Tamarack. It's close enough to Margate, but Tamarack is a little nicer place. Six months later, he said, I guess I'm going to Margate. Eleven people, the first meeting. But look what happened when he got in obedience. Oh, come on, church. See, you see what I'm saying on that? He was led, finally he listened to the Spirit. When I say that, because some of you are sitting here today that God's spoken to you, but you've not done what he told you to do. You've had a better idea. I said, you've had a better idea. We've used this illustration before, Brother Al remembers because we had a person that we knew, but God spoke to him. He sold his business for a million bucks. God spoke to him to give the tithe, the 100,000 to the church. He met with my dad. He says, listen, this church isn't big enough. He says, I don't think you know how to handle that kind of money. I'm going to keep the money, and I'll dole it out when you need it. I'll see what you need. Just let me know. I'll give it to you. My dad said, you're about, you're about to be in trouble. You're going to be cursed with a curse. He got mad and left because my dad was just too ignorant to handle $100,000. A month later, he's out in the parking lot. I don't know if he got out or somebody asked my dad to come out to see him. He's weeping and crying. My dad walks out. He says, what's wrong? He says, the partner I had just took advantage of me. I just lost a million dollars. Now, here's the kicker. He got right with God, and he had a season of untold prosperity again. You know why? Because the Spirit of God is never going to leave you or forsake you either. But, But then he got into disobedience again and lost everything again. I mean, this is a joke. You think after one or two times, you go... I can figure this out. I could have had a V8. But you need to understand something. Just because you missed it, if you know what God said to you in your spirit, go back to it. I said go back to it. Hallelujah. God's not changed. He does not speak something and change his mind like Christians. God told me to come to this church three months later. Well, God told me to leave. You're not preaching what I want you to preach. Which God are you talking to? God knew what we were preaching before you came. Well, God told me to, I love it when they do this. God told me to give such and such. Really? You better make sure God told you to do that because if you don't do it, you're in trouble. I made a commitment to a ministry for $1,000 a week for 42 weeks. Our church, it was a missions thing. We just moved in this property. I believe in seed time and harvest. I had everything come against me you could ever imagine. We had all kinds of things happen. We saw finances go down. We saw mistakes being made. My wife and I had to reach into our own personal uh, retirement fund and pay off some things in this building or we'd have lost the building. We hadn't told a lot of people about that. I'll put it in the book sometime. But we had to, we had to, we had to come up with almost $86,000. I 
I didn't say anything to anybody. I'm not looking to pat me on the back. None of the above. Look what God has done for me. Nothing broken, nothing missing, nothing lost. I'm walking in abundance, so don't feel sorry for me. But what I'm saying is, when we got it right and did what God told us to do and straightened some things out, Hear what I'm saying to you? God turned it all the way around. And now we go through COVID and we had the best financial year we ever had. We've given the missions like we never had. But during that season, during that season, we kept our commitment. Blessed is the man that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. I'm the Lord God, I change not. I put in your heart, sitting at the table with the ministry, give them $1,000 a week for 42 weeks. Why 42? I have no idea. But that's what we did. And we did that. And at the end of that 42 weeks, we went through hell and back. We didn't say anything to the church. We didn't go through anything. We went through all kinds of struggles. A couple of my staff people knew it. But nobody else knew it because we didn't tell anybody. We stood up here and had church. But guess what? At the end of 42, oh, come on, say at the end. <laughs> at the end. Entire, wanting nothing. Blessed is the man that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. Glory to God. If you're going to walk in the promises of God, you better make sure that when you make a promise or you say something, you led by the Spirit of God and God speaks to you, count the cost. But know this, if God speaks to you, he walked us. It was a season of great spiritual growth for us. I'm not talking uh, church, yes, but because of our, our leadership. We walked through great spiritual growth during that time. We learned to believe God in a way that I never thought possible. And I thought I'd been, seen it, been through everything in my life. But when we went through this, there's nothing you can tell me that is going to scare me one way or the other. If you shut the church down today and two people showed up every week and brought $20 in tithes, I would know God will supernatural bless this church because I've already walked through that fire. See, once you've gone through it, I, listen, I've been through that. I, I know what it is. I, I know how to believe God now. I, I know the reason I got to walk in obedience as led by the Spirit of God. I'm a child of God. I've got to know what, what God has said to me. I got to know that I am who He says He is. And I've got to know I've heard His voice. I've, I've listened to what He had to say to me. I know His voice. Well, Aren't you concerned of what's going on in the world today with all this virus? No. I've died once. I've had the virus once. And I'm still here. And it's not that I'm stupid. My head's not in the sand. But I refuse to turn on the TV and believe what they're telling me. Now, you do what you want. And let me say this. Let me clear something up right now. Let me just clear something up right now. But what's going on, if you're in fear or you're concerned and you want to wear a mask in the service, go ahead and wear it. Is that okay? Because they're telling you if you've been vaccinated, you should wear a mask again. I thought you got vaccinated not to wear a mask. In the beginning, if you had the virus, then you had great antibiotics and things in your system and your, and your immune system that rejects it. But now it doesn't reject it, and the, and the vaccine doesn't reject it, and you can put on another mask, but it only works for 20%, possibly. 
And they, and they just took out of the medical journey the study that was done because they made them take it out that showed when children are wearing masks that it takes the carbon dioxide and puts it back in them and creates more sickness than the other. But we took that out because we're mandated. Folks, let me say something to you. I'm not your judge or jury. I have no problem with you wearing a mask, and I appreciate that. I honestly do. I will still go certain places and wear a mask because out of respect and honor to people. I don't have anything to prove. But what I'm saying is don't put your trust, yes. put it in God. Amen. Now, that doesn't, mean not be, that doesn't mean to be foolish. Someone said, well, you just don't understand. My brother, 77 years of age, three months ago died of COVID. Not been sick a day in his life. So don't tell me. I, don't, I know how, how important it is that we use wisdom. So if you're wearing a mask today, praise God. I celebrate you. I don't know. We're not going to make masks available in the auto, in the, for you again for those who feel like they need them. So don't take this out of context. What I am saying is this, though, that as a child of God, you have a promise. I said, you have a promise. If this stuff comes nigh your dwelling, then you need to tell it to leave. Now, listen to me. You might have to work at that. Everything's based upon where you are in your walk in God and your walk in There's certain things I can believe God for with no problem at all. Some other things I got to work at because I've not developed it. So don't, you see, when the, the world's got the church mad at one another. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask, take a vaccine, don't take it. I don't care. Let the Spirit of God lead you. Don't let anybody intimidate you. Well, I don't believe in it. Great. I've got a shot. I'm getting a booster. Great. Are you encouraging anybody to do anything? No. We've got to stop this. We've got kingdom business. I don't have time to be caught up with the vultures of this world that is distracting us from what God's called us to do. I got news for you. You can wear a mask and lay hands on the sick and they be healed. You can get a shot and still get other people healed. But you also can get them healed without. I'm kingdom. I said I'm kingdom. I mean, what do I care what mask you wear? I, I would like for you all to try to get some little more, uh, you know, they got some really cool looking masks out there. <laughs> I mean, if you see me wearing a mask, I'm not wearing the typical mask. I, I, I got my daughter, she got me a Gucci mask, you know. You know I me, mean? I, can't, I can't, can't go around without looking good. It's, my mask has to match my outfit. You know. My watch and my rings have got to match my outfit. My mask has to match. You got, come on, guy. Come on, tell somebody. Say, you got to look good one way or the other. <laughs> Number three, obey God's word. Obey God's word. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Keep God's word. Look at, look at the book of uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Whew. 
Glory to God. Learn to keep God's word. Why? Because God's word is exalted above his name. A lot of people, Jesus is the name above every name, right? Come on, stay with me. I'm going to mess some of you up with your theology. Jesus is the name above every name. There's no other name greater than the name of Jesus, according to the scripture. But God says, the psalmist David wrote, but I exalt my word above my name. Now, here's the funny part. We'll get upset when somebody uses the name of Jesus in a derogatory or a swear fashion. But if somebody doesn't pay attention to the word, we go, well, you know, it's okay. No, God said my word is, is above the name. Oh, come on, folks. When you begin to cherish the word, <laughs> your salvation depends. You know why? Because Jesus is the word made flesh and dwells among us. He's the living word. So when we walk in the word of God, we're walking in the promises of God in every occasion, in every area. Number four, never minimize what you have. Never minimize what you have. First Kings. Chapter 17, verse 12, and he said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. This is a little widow woman. Y'all remember that at Zarephath? Let me walk you through that. God takes the prophet, <clears throat> puts him by a stream, and there's a famine, but it's a stream, a little bit of water, a little brook. And he has a bird bring flesh. A raven, bring flesh. If you know anything about ravens, ravens don't share. But anyway, he brings flesh for him to eat by the brook in a famine. Of course, number one, you got to say, well, how is it there was water there and nowhere else? And where did that bird get the flesh? You ever thought about that? No, it's just me. Just kind of figure out. You know, he fly up to heaven and God says, here, take this out. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Had a barbecue spot he went to. <laughs> so now the brook drives up. The bird doesn't bring f flesh anymore, food. And God says to him, watch this now. I have commanded a widow woman. And Zarephath, I've commanded her to feed you. Here he gets to the widow woman. Now understand, God said, I have spoken to this woman. God's not a man that he should lie. So there's no doubt whether the woman has heard from God. Sounds like a lot of Christians, doesn't it? But when he got there and said, I want you to feed me, she says, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. See, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself, my son, that we may eat it and die. Isn't it like a lot of us, if we can just have one quick moment of pleasure, then we're willing to let it all go. 
that I can just have that taste of food, that we can have a little something and then we're going to die satisfied. Oh, God, nobody dies satisfied. It's amazing. And the prophet says, listen, you can do what you want to do, but before you do that, take some of what you got and make me a cake and let me eat it. Bishop, I wish we could have been a part of the program and wish we could have given on freedom offering, but man, I looked at what I've got and there's no way we were going to make it. Well, how you doing now? We lost our home. Really? Eat it and die. Oh, Bishop, God spoke to me to give to Jeff Dove and the Fire Bible, but you know, I just don't make that kind of money. And if we did that, we would have to, we have to shut some things down and to be able to give to him and do without some things. And, you know, we just don't have it. Well, how you doing? Well, we're worse off than we've ever been. Really, eat it and die. When God speaks and motivates you, it's because he has a plan. He's given you a promise. So she makes him the cake, and she looks in the barrel, and there's more meal in the barrel. There's more flour. And she looks at the jar, and there's more oil. And it stayed that way throughout the famine. Why? Because God says, stop looking at your circumstances. Oh, come on, people. Never minimize what you have. Never minimize. I could go to John 6, but I won't. Number, oh, yeah, I will too. Go to John chapter 6. I think we need to go there. There's a lad here who has five barley loaves, two small fish, but what are they among so many? <laughs> I had a minister friend of mine back in the day when we were going through a, a struggle, which we talked about earlier. He called me up. He said, I was down praying this morning, and God spoke to me to send you $10,000. But I didn't do it because I didn't think it would be enough to help you. I won't go into detail. I just smiled. I said, praise God. Hope you're doing well. Hope your family's well. Hope your ministry's good. God bless you. We made it without your $10,000. I guess God brought somebody else to take care of that. I got news for you. Some of you are leaving your harvest in the field because you're letting somebody else sow the seeds you're supposed to sow. I'm telling you right now, folks. Jesus says to them, bring the lad to me. I won't get into a lot of detail, but bring the lad to me. Took the loaves of fish because he knew what he was going to do. He blessed it. Blessed to be a blessing. See, he, oh, I'm going to help you with this. He blessed the loaves and fish. The Bible said he prayed he blessed the loaves and fish. We're blessed so we can be a blessing. So when he blesses us, we now have the capability to take that blessing and have it multiply. He says something very unique. 
He says, have all the people sit down. When he blessed it so it would multiply, he gave it to the disciples to distribute it. Watch this. To the people that were sitting. What about the people that were standing? I'm sorry, I can only give it to the people that are standing. You know why? Because the people in obedience to, watch this now, were obedience. Therefore, they had a right to the benefit or the promise because of their obedience. So when they got their food, it says they ate it till they didn't want anymore or till they were filled. And then they kept eating till they didn't want anymore. So the food that they gave them, because it was blessed to be a blessing, it had the ability to multiply. The more they desired it, the more it multiplied. A lot of people stop with what you have rather than desiring more. And in the church, we said, you shouldn't desire more. Oh, no, you should desire more. If I understand pressed down, shaking together, running over good measure, I should desire more. I said I should desire more. The promise of God is not about less. It's not about status quo. It's not about mediocrity. It's about abundance. Never minimize what you have. What are they amongst so many? Of course, number five, be willing to release your seed. Time, talent, energy, or finance, whatever it may be. Time, talent, energy, or finance. Luke 6, 38, give it. It shall be given back to you. Press down, shaken together, running over good measures shall men. Okay? It will be measured back to you. What's going to be measured back to me? What I'm willing to give. What I'm willing to take the blessing. Watch me now. God has blessed me. Let, let, Let me use this as an example. God has blessed Minister Virginia with a gift of music. She can sing. She can minister. If she sat here and refused to do that, her blessing hasn't changed. It's just that she can't benefit from her blessing. Oh, God. You've got to sow your seed. That's your talent. You've got to sow your seed. You've got to put your talent in a soil that will produce a harvest. You got to sing your song so people can be brought into the presence of God. So now people can be delivered and people can be healed and people can be prepared for the word of God. You got to, you got to do this. And I'm always fascinated with people who have gifts in them that come to church and say, well, I'm in church. I want to be ministered to rather than ministering to someone else. I don't understand teachers who do not work with the children and the youth. That's your gift. Well, they're not paying me. No, your gift is not for pay. Your gift is to be a blessing. But if you're a blessing, the other will follow. You understand what I'm saying? Come on, stay with me, folks. I don't understand men who have the ability to be successful and has great influence that they don't purposely find young men of the church that they can mentor. I don't understand it. Just don't get it. You've got a gift. I said, you have a gift. And there's young men and women in the church who need you to bless them so they can get their own blessing and become a greater blessing. But you have a gift. 
I don't understand how salespeople can be in the church and not be involved as greeters. Because you greet people all the time, you meet people all the time, or not be involved in the, in the, in the evangelism program or things like that. Because it's all about multiplication and growth. I'm sorry. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. Whatever gift or talent you have, you've got to be willing to sow that seed. You've got to give time. Ooh, I'm busy. How busy are you? Come on, really. Let's think about it. Think about your busy schedule. Yeah. Who set the schedule? I see. I don't get it. I'm sorry. I don't understand how grandmothers are not willing to participate in the nursery to help young moms with their kids and mentor them. I don't understand. I don't know how. Divorce ladies and men don't try and help other people that are going through the same trial. How we've had people who we've lost in, in the ministry who've gone home to be with the Lord. Why we're not reaching out and helping other people walk through the journey we went through because we know how they're hurting. I don't understand, folks. So when we talk about sowing seed, it's just not dollars and cents. God gives seed to the sower, and we've always read that as money. Not so. It can be time. It can be talent. It can be energy. It can be your gift. If I'm spending more time, oh, it's going to be bad, abusing my gift on me, then I'm using it to bless someone else then I'm going to answer to God for it. I'll leave it right there. I got three people clapping. That's awesome. I'm with you. All I need is two or three. We're in agreement. Guys, I, I, listen, I'm at the stage of my life now. I'm trying to lay foundations that will carry you through the next 20 years. Whether I walk with you or not, I will not stand before God and him say, you didn't tell the congregation. God's called Abundant Life to change South Florida. I'm trying to give you some stuff here that if you will really hear it and apply it, we are going to change South Florida in a way like you can never imagine. The promise is to Bishop Woody, and it was carried over to us, is that we are going to change South Florida with a message they've never heard. But we've not been living the message. And it's time we stood up, we shook ourselves, and realized that maybe the enemy has blinded us for a while, but our hair has grown back, our strength is here, and we can, the one last week, and take it all out. Number six, never allow famine or lack to control your character. <laughs> never allow famine or lack to control your character. The book of Philippians said, my God will supply all your needs, according to riches and glory. Let's turn over to Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. And I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Next verse. Not that I speak in regards to need, for I have learned to be in whatever state I am in to be content or to be satisfied by the Holy Spirit. Next verse. I know, what to, what to, I know how to be humbled or abased, and I know how to abound. I know how to live abundantly. Everywhere and in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Listen to what he's saying here. I said, listen to what he's saying here. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
I'm not going to let the circumstance dictate me. Go, to, uh, go over to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 4 through 6. He observes the wind, will not sow. He regards the clouds, will not reap. Next verse. And you do not know what it is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child. So you do not know how the works of God who makes everything. Go back to the other verse. Go back to verse 4. And he observes the wind. Will not so. We saw a lot of wind last year with the COVID. And a lot of people observed the wind throughout our nation. They quit going to church. They quit believing. They quit witnessing. They quit celebrating the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Because the wind was blowing and the circumstance said to us. Come on, look at a person and say, you are a child of God if you believe in Jesus. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Come and look at him. Say, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. If God be for you, who can be against you? In the time of the storm, God will give you peace. God is standing on his throne waiting for us to believe what he has promised. Didn't say be foolish. Didn't say be, be crazy. Not be dumb. But trust God. I said, trust God. When are we going to learn? Circumstances don't control me. I don't give because I got a lot. I give because it's my nature. Oh, God. This drives my wife, everybody crazy. But I don't sing because I'm good. I sing because I'm happy. See, circumstance has nothing to do. Come on, folks, stay with me on this. Quit allowing, yeah, quit allowing a circumstance, a moment. Quit allowing somebody to say something that, well, bless God, I'm done. No, 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 I'm not done. Just because you're stupid, I'm not going anywhere. And I'm not even called to correct you, so I'm just going to have to let you keep going on like you're going because I'm not moving. I'm not getting off the dime. I know what God said to me. The prophet kills the prophets of Baal. Then he begins to think, the queen's going to kill me. So he begins to run. And he finds himself as the Spirit of God takes him out 40 days. Now he has nothing to eat and he falls asleep and he wakes up and, 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 and there's this bush and a, the fruit and God says, eat, you've got a journey ahead of you. So then he's in a, he's in a, he finds himself in a cave. And the wind began to blow. But God wasn't in the wind. God wasn't in the, in the earthquake. Oh, my God. You, can't, you see what's going on in America today? My God. Gas prices are up $1.30. Everything is up. Used cars are up 30 40%. You can't go to the store and buy eggs anymore for a decent price. Can you see? Oh, my God. God's not in that. 
I'm not justifying it. I'm not saying it's okay. But I got news for you. I'm trusting God. If God wants me to have eggs, I can get them eggs. Thank God he, he allows me to drive a new car. But I'll drive the used one if that's what he wants me to drive. I don't care. I just don't care anymore. I just want what God wants from me. And I don't care about the earthquake, and I don't care about the wind, and I don't care about the fire. All I know is God comes to me in a still, small voice. So regardless of the circumstance, oh, my God, the enemy has surrounded us. God opened his eyes. They're more with us than those against us. Really? Moses standing in front of the children of Israel, seeing the front, Egyptians coming behind. And he starts saying, now God said, God said, God, God says, Moses, shut up. Turn around, lift your staff towards the water, please. Oh, it parted. Oh, some of you are going to wake up and go, oh, my God, the bill was paid. Oh, my God, I got a raise. Oh, my God, I got healed. Oh, my God, look how God has blessed me. Oh, my God, look at the favor I've got. Oh, my God, my brother got saved. It's not the circumstance. That's a vulture. Number seven, musicians come. Learn to anticipate or expect the harvest. Genesis 8.22, as long as the earth remains, there's seed time and harvest. Night and day, cold and heat, summer and winter. But seed time, everybody say seed time, harvest. Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through 29, he says, Such is the kingdom of God if a man should scatter seed. If a man should scatter seed. I'm always looking what kind of seed, time, talent, energy, or finance that I can sow. I'm always looking for that. I'm always looking for opportunity to do stuff so somebody's blessed. I gotta, because if I'm going to move in the overflow of the blessing of God in my life, which God has placed upon my life now, I can no longer live in my dad's. I got to live in mine. Then therefore, I've got to look for places that I can release that benefit to someone else. Whenever through the years God has spoken to me, when I was involved especially, and we do it here at a church, but when I was involved in some of the outward ministries, and God would have me go and talk to certain people when I was at ORU with Dr. Roberts when I was at Dr. Cho I was over at Seoul Korea I'd go to Dr. Cho but God would speak to me about certain people or certain things can't explain it to you I never went to them and said I feel like God spoke to me about this and what do you think we can do about it I always went to them and said, God has spoken about this, and here's X amount of dollars that I want to invest in this project. How do you want to do this? Or I would say to them, I'm willing to set time aside and spend two weeks in this area 
Now, how do you want to handle this? It was never about God spoke to me. What are you going to do? It's the seed I sow. Oh, God. Come on, stay with me, folks. Stay with me on this. I expect a harvest because I sowed the seed. If you don't take another note, write this down. I have no right to expectation if I've not sown a seed. I have no right to expectation if I've not sown a seed. Sir, if you think your wife doesn't love you, then you better find out how you've been loving her. Ma'am, if you think he doesn't love you, you better find out how you're supposed to love him. Because whatsoever man soweth, what I sow. How old are you now, Emery? 14. How long have you been playing drums? Since you were four. So you've been playing drums 10 years. Any good? Are you any good? Yeah, you are. I know you are. How much better you're going to be 10 years from now? You know why? Because you keep using your talent and giving, sowing your seed. God has obligated to make covenant with you when you sow your seed. We talked on this before. See, when we bring tithe, we make covenant with God. But when we sow a seed, God has to make covenant with us. Just stay steady. Don't be weary in well-doing. They'll come knocking on your door. Let's see. Dennis, God said he was going to bless you and darling to bless the kingdom. But you had to figure out, how am I going to do this? And God took the seed in you and you created a company that became a benefit to everyone it touched. So now you can do what God called you to do because you use your gift to benefit up. Oh, God, you'll get this in a minute. See, some of you will get this in a minute. Your, your destiny is not caught up in hauling cars or rentals. It's taking the benefit of those things and using it to benefit others. And because of that, this will become supernaturally explosive. Isn't that funny? Oh, folks, you don't get it. Gentlemen, my name is Jack. Evangel Church, you've heard me tell it before, I'm going to tell it again. His wife came to church. He was a drunk. He was abusive. Six foot six guy, mechanic. He couldn't read or write, but he was a great mechanic back in the day. He wouldn't make it today with today's technology, but back in the day. He got led to Christ, got gloriously saved, got transformed, got filled with the Holy Ghost. And then he came to the pastor and he said, I can't sing, I can't read, I can't write, I can't teach anybody anything. He said, but you know, I just love people, Pastor. I could stand at the front door and shake hands if you'd let me. I got a suit I can wear. He had to see this big old guy. He had this blue serge suit, white shirt. I can see him right now, red tie. Big old guy. His hands were three times my size, 
I mean, I couldn't even shake his hand. He just, I just put my hand out and let him shake it. You know what I mean? I mean, he was, he was like a giant. And Jack would stand at that door. And people would walk in. And these old fingernails still couldn't get all the grease out. He'd say, I want to welcome you to the greatest church here on earth. God's going to bless you today. Thanks for coming. Isn't that funny? 1969 and 70, I still remember him. Changed my life. But guess what happened to him? He was so good at what he did that his shop took off. He bought his own shop, had a huge business. <laughs> said, where'd you get that from? He says, I wouldn't miss Sunday morning and Wednesday night. I closed my business down first because God has blessed me because the only thing I could do was make people feel good about him. And when I started making people feel good about God, they began to feel good about me. My God. I close with this. I know I'm going over a little bit. A promise is a declaration of assurance that is totally dependent upon the character and the integrity of the one making it. The promise, a promise is the declaration of assurance that is totally dependent upon the character and integrity of the one that is making it. If you are to be the recipient of a promise, you've got to trust the one making the promise. You've got to believe. Mark 11, 22, 23. If you say to this mountain, have faith in God. If you say to this mountain, it do not doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you say shall come to pass. Then you shall have. Oh, God. My question to you is, do you believe in the one who makes the promise? Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and He wants to bless you.